0: Hidden. And Steve Copeland, it's great to have you here. We don't get to see you very often. I actually remember—wow, well, that seems really hard, doesn't it? I actually remember the Sunday that we sent you off to go to medical school, and here you are, back fully a dog. You've been in Eureka now for about a year, year and a half. Wow, how do you like Eureka? You like it? It's a little cool, isn't it? There, I mean, it's uh, even more so than Salem. But you enjoy the whole area. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. All right. Very good. Well, the past several weeks have unfortunately um, seen some uh, tragedies that kind of boggle the mind. For some, there's little that we can do. There were massive floods in in, the Houston area and that sort of thing and people perished and millions and millions of dollars of property was damaged. Others are the result of human choice. A man stalks a singer that he saw on the voice, and after a concert, he shoots her. And we don't even know why. Another man in, in England stalks a politician, apparently because of her stance and whether England should remain in the European Union or not. And in a country that knows very, very little about gun violence. He shoots her and kills her. And a man takes a semi-automatic weapon into a gay nightclub in Orlando and he kills 49 people. And immediately people begin to assign blame, and that's, that's the thing. Everybody's going to, whose fault is it, and um, what happens to the, the government and the officials and people running for office, and everybody begins to talk about, okay, who's really responsible for this, and it's guns, and so we have to limit those, or it's Muslims, and we have to stop them, or, or it's the government's fault, or it's uh, ISIS, or it's uh, Obama's response to ISIS, it's the Syrian cry. Everybody stops and says, this is the problem, here's the problem, here's how we're going to fix it, and uh, none of them are right none of that's going to fix anything. Okay? It, doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. This kind of rage and sickness, by the way, in case you think it's um, new or recent, not even close. How about on August 20th, 1986? Anybody remember? You probably don't. A man named Patrick Sherrill walked into his workplace. You Remember what that workplace was? It was a post office And he shot and killed 14 of his co-workers. And hence came the title going what? Postal. Did you think it was Muslims? Did you think it was right-wing extremists? Postal workers too. And from that time on, which was what? 30 years ago. We have a phrase in our vernacular called going postal. It's not Muslim. And it's not politics. How did we get here? Well, let me tell you the story, all right? I've got the story to tell you exactly how we got here. And it starts all the way back at the very beginning of creation. Our God, our Holy Father, the one who loves us, created all that there is. Now, whether you believe he created in six days or because the scripture actually says six yams, Okay, it's written in Hebrew. A yom is a time period. Sometimes it's 24 hours. What is it? X, uh, Genesis chapter 2 verse what 4, 3 or 4. A uh, yom is, just means time period. It doesn't have a specified. You can believe six days, fine. You can believe six seconds. I don't care. Six billion, I don't care. The point is God created. And he created everything good. Take a look at this passage right here. When it's all done, when all creation is over, And God sought all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth yom, the sixth day. Everything. And by this point in time, he's not just created the earth. He's not just created the sky and the sun. He's also created human beings, male and female. And he called them what? Good. What happened? How did we get here? Well, in Genesis chapter 2, we read this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. This is before it actually created Eve. To work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any of the trees in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, first of all, let's stop. do you realize how permissive God is? I'm tired of people talking about how God limits everything they want to do. Our God is so permissive. There are so many things. He says, I want you to do this. Get up. He looked at Adam and said, You know what? Look at everything out there. Touch them all. Eat them all. Stay away from the one. That's the father. That's a permissive God. That's a God who loves us. That's a God who says, hey, I want you to enjoy life. But there's a couple of things that are going to get in the way. Don't do those. And that's what we're trying to do. You know the story. Adam and Eve choose the one thing they're not supposed to do. But did you did you see right here? He says... You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. They ate, but guess what? They didn't drop down dead. They lived, according to the word of God, for many hundreds of years, had lots of children. What happened? Did did God miss it when he said, the day that you eat, you're surely going to die? Of course not, because our Father knows that there's worse things than physical death. He's not talking about physical death. What he was talking about is the moment you eat that, your humanity, all that I created you to be, is dead. When they disobeyed, they ceased being who they were created to be. Their ability to be holy and righteous and good, as God had created them, I created them good, he says, their ability to do that died at that moment. And they began to pass that on to every single one of their children, and that includes you and me. That ability to be holy and to do good all the time. In just three chapters, three chapters later, after Adam and Eve begin to, to procreate and then their children and grandchildren, and the, the earth has got, I don't know how many people are in it, but a lot of people, and they all now have inherited this death, this fact that they were originally created good and holy and the ability to be righteous, and that died when Adam and Eve disobeyed, all of them now inherit that, and this is what God sees three chapters later. God saw that human evil was out of control. People thought evil, imagined evil, 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 from morning to night. How did that happen? Three chapters. Adam and Eve, good. Disobey. Three chapters later, evil, evil, because they died the righteousness, the goodness, the ability to do what is right, died. And it's infected even the best of us. A little bit later on, much later on, as a matter of fact, within the time frame and within the Word of God, we, we come across King David. Now, King David was the sweet singer of Israel. King David had been set up by God, established. He established his, home, his house forever and ever, ever. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, was going to come from the line of David. That's how important David was. And yet this is what David says about himself. After he himself had sinned most egregiously, he had actually looked with lust upon another woman, and she was married, and he brought her into his home, and he had sexual relations and committed adultery, and she became pregnant, and to cover it all up, he had her husband murdered, and then took this woman as his wife. Wow. That would make headlines today. And this is what David said about his sin. Psalm 51. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my my mother conceived me. In other words, he says, um, you know what? I know it. I know what I should do, but I'm doing the things I shouldn't do, and that's the way I was born. I inherited this brokenness. But you say, but Jesus Christ came and he died and, and he rose from the grave and ascended to the Father and all that's taken care of now. Well, not quite. Paul, the apostle that uh, wrote most of the New Testament and uh, we look to as the apostle to the Gentiles long after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, long after he himself was a disciple, wrote to the church in Romans, he said this. Now let me describe what's going on here, he says. We know that the law is spiritual. It's good. But I'm unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin. I'm born this way. I do not understand what I do. Anybody relate? For I want to do what I do not do. But what I hate to do. Really? I know what I want to do. I got it in my head. Why do I do this other thing? And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. In other words, I know that what I'm doing is wrong. Why am I doing it? As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. In other words, what he just said, and then he goes on to say this, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good. That's the leftover from when God created everything good. There's a leftover from that. God created us all good, and part of the leftover of that is, I know, I want to do good, I see what I should be doing, I understand what is good, but the ability to do it I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Anybody will and that's after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amazing, isn't it? Jesus himself talked about how broken we are as humans. He, he went on to say this, because in, in the religion of, of the Jews, what defiled an individual, what made you unclean was something you touched, something you ate, something like that, and, and then you were unclean. And Jesus said, you got it all wrong. That's not where all this stuff comes from. And this is what he said. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. From within, out of, of men's hearts, come evil thoughts and sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness. Did you notice, not once did he say, this is all from Satan? Because that's Blame, isn't it? Well, it's not my fault. Satan did it. Jesus said, you know, it comes from inside human beings. Deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly, all these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. They don't come from outside where Satan puts it in our hearts. They come from in us. Because when we disobeyed God, that ability to do good died. Now, I came to faith in a denomination that taught that uh, the old nature, that, that old sinful nature, what we call it. And there was so, Somebody tell me other, other terms for the sinful nature, if you can remember any. There was the evil propensity, sinful nature, the old man, the old nature, human nature, all those things, all those different ideas and thoughts, all basically said the same thing, that we're born kind of broken. And I came to faith in a denomination that said, you know what? Not only can you be forgiven, but that old sin nature can be, anybody remember the word? Eradicated, sure. Eradicated, what a great word. It means it can actually be removed, that this old sinful broken nature can be removed and replaced with, with uh, restored to Adamic perfection is the way they used to put it, okay? There's only one problem with it, it's not true. It's just not true. And I came to faith in that. I actually had to write papers in college on that stuff. Sometimes I got bad grades because I would push back really hard against that stuff. But they still give me A's because at least I made my case. See, it's not true at all. Even after coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, we still have to deal with that brokenness and that death that came because of Adam and Eve. Now, if you're a little depressed, stick with me, okay? We're have good news before we're all done here just trying to explain to you where all of this came from. It has nothing to do with a religion because as we've already seen so many people have taken guns and killed so many people in the name of fill in the blank. Religion is just one of the excuses people use. This is what Scripture says. Now, What I want you to remember about this is that this is written to a church. This is written to Christians. This is written to people who are already saved. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Whoa, wait a minute. I'm I'm a Christian. I thought it was all gone. Well, if it was all gone, why would he write this? It wouldn't make any sense, would it? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Which means, here's the implication, are you a born-again Christian? Do you follow Jesus Christ? You may still have anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. Didn't go away, did it? You were redeemed, you were saved, but it didn't go away. Otherwise, why write it? It's a waste of parchment. He would be writing, isn't it glad that automatically you got rid of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language? (laughs) But he didn't write that. The truth is that even after I've been forgiven, I have to struggle with my broken but redeemed humanity. So, today we are going to start a new seven-part series. We have six more in this. All right? And this is what we're going to call it. Over here. Overcoming... Broken humanity, all right? That's what we're going to be focusing on, how we're going to overcome this broken humanity. You're not going to get rid of it until one day you get rid of this broken human body. One day it's gone, I leave it behind. Until then, I'm going to have to deal with the death that Adam brought and Eve brought when they disobeyed God. We're going to... And we're going to not talk in in theory. We're going to actually look at six specific areas of our lives. So we're going to add this phrase to the title and see if it comes up here. Replacing six deadly emotions. Okay? Because what we're going to find out is a lot of this brokenness, a lot of this death that came because of humanity's disobedience is really kind of manifest in at least six Really deadly emotions. These emotions kind of are the, the, the pathway by which that brokenness really comes into our relationships. What we're going to try to do is understand those. And by the way, did you notice the word replacing? Not just overcoming. I didn't say overcome. I said replacing. And I'm going to explain why before this, ser- this sermon is done today, all right? Just stick with me. I'll give you the reason why we call it replacing. Very important. Very important. Here's the six areas we're going to look at. Ready? These are the things that are just killer. Anger, envy, bitterness, guilt, shame, and let's see, anger, one, two, three, four, there's another one in there. Anxiety, but it's a little too low. We'll get the uh, slides right next week. All right? I know what went wrong with the slides, by the way, I can tell you, but there's nothing you can do about it now. My fault. All right? Anxiety is down there. Okay, here we go. Those are the six. Before we really get started, I want you to remember this verse right here. Ready? This is important. Therefore, as a matter of fact, let's see the verse. Let's see if there's enough of it's out there that you can read it with me. Okay, good. Read it with me. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death now i need you to stand up and give honor to god's word because this is incredible would you stand up and read this with me read it like you mean it because this is we're going to put this at the top of our sermon notes every single solitary week you've got to remember this as we take a look at these deadly emotions you're going to feel bad you're going to identify oh i'm a terrible person no i want you to remember this this covers everything this is more important right here read it one more time Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. We're going to read one more time. Don't sit down. This is just after Paul had written that verse that said, you know, I don't understand what I'm doing. I want to do good. I don't do it. I don't want to do bad. That's what I do. Who's going to set me free? Then he says, okay, I understand that's still how I am. But then he says this. Read it one more time. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And aren't you glad Amen. You should give the applause to the Lord right now for that. Okay, take a seat. Here's what it means. Oh yeah, the six deadly emotions. You're going to see them, you're going to feel them, you're going to understand them, you're going to go, that's me, but you're always going to remember this. But there is now no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm still overcoming this stuff. I'm still learning how to deal with it. I still have it there. But there is now no condemnation for those from Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation for me. Because I am in Christ Jesus, and even though one of these six deadly emotions creeps up from time to time, there is now no condemnation for me, for I am in Christ Jesus, and I live by a different law, and I am saved and redeemed, and that's the important thing. Have you lost it lately? You know what I mean? One of these six deadly emotions, maybe all of them got the best of you, and you just lost it. I have. I'm going to tell you about it a little bit later on it happens all right but remember even for those of us who still deal with these even for all of us who have to face them and sometimes when we actually let them get the better of us and we would what we would call lose it we have to remember i stand redeemed and forgiven a child of the living god but i still have to deal with my humanity every day that dead part in me that part that died when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and passed on to every one of their children that death. As we deal, let's remember this. Ready? Here we go. Now we're into your sermon notes. We're getting ready. Without a healthy relation with God through Jesus, I have no hope. It's just that simple, guys. You see, this isn't just some self-help kind of junk that I'm talking about. If you're looking for a self-help book, there's tons of them on the, on the market. You can go down to a bookstore, go on Amazon, and they'll tell you how to help yourself. I'm telling you, you can't help yourself. Okay, here's the bad news and the good news. The bad news, if, if you want to think of it that way, is you can't help yourself. The good news is you can't help yourself. Okay? There's nothing you can do about it. You can't change this. But you don't have to. I'm not talking about that kind of nonsense. I'm talking about the fact that our Father, who was able to overcome these things and to give us the help to overcome them, he will help us. Take a look at this passage right here. Remember that at that time, he's talking to a group of, of Gentile new converts Remember at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants and the promise without hope and without God in the world. It's very simple, so simple. Without a healthy relationship with God through Jesus, I have no hope. If you don't have that relationship, you have no hope. And here's why. My broken relationship caused my broken humanity. Now, let me go back to that goodness, okay? Remember when God created everything good? I don't ever want you to think that God placed within Adam and Eve this, this goodness quotient and, and they, somehow they were now good on their own. Nothing is good on its own. Nothing. Jesus even said that, remember? A man came up to him and said, good teacher, what did Jesus say? Why do you call me good? Then he says, what? The only thing that's good is God. There is nothing good about it, but he created everything good. Yeah, he did create everything good. But what it meant was he created everything in a beautiful relationship with himself. God used to come down in the evening and walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. Could you imagine a picnic with God? Everything was in perfect harmony with God, and so therefore everything was good. It was his goodness that infused everything through their relationship. Not because he created something good separate from himself and he could walk away from it and say, okay, I have no relationship with you and you're still good, can't be done. Because there is only one who is good and that is God. Therefore, goodness comes only from a relationship. And when Adam and Eve broke that relationship and they passed on to every single one of us a broken relationship, instead of being born into a perfect relationship with God, we are born into in a broken relationship with God because of Adam and Eve. Now, don't get too angry with them because if it hadn't been them, it would have been you and me, okay? It was going to happen. That's just who we are. When it happened, that relationship is broken. And when it was broken, that source of goodness cut off. And Adam and Eve are revealed for who they really are, apart from God. Combination of flesh and spirit, without understanding, without ability. Potential, but they can't fulfill it. The world, cut off from God. The world now revealed for what it is. Slowly but surely degenerating and breaking down and Cells that were never supposed to rebel against their own bodies suddenly begin to rebel against their own bodies, and we call it what? Cancer. That's all it is. It's one of your own cells. It's gone crazy. Your body doesn't stop it because your body says, oh, it's part of me. I'll let it go. And there you go. Even things like weeds and torrential rains and the hurricanes and the earthquakes and the physical manifestations of a world apart from God that's not in relation. All of that happened because the relationship with God was broken. It's my broken relationship that caused my broken humanity. Take a look at this passage from Romans chapter 5. You know the story how Adam landed us in this dilemma we're in. There it is. First sin, then death, and now no one exempt from either sin or death. That's how we got here. Every time you read about some natural disaster, every time you read about someone that you love that's gone through a hard time like the cancers and the other things, every time you read about some maniac who uses an excuse, whether it's their tension at work, their politics, or their religion, to kill a bunch of people, here's why. Here's where it started. And it can only be dealt with by walking back. See, it started because we walked away from god you can only deal with it by walking back so for the rest of the time this morning ready this is what i want to look at here we go steps to overcoming my broken humanity all right steps to overcoming my broken humanity that's what we're looking at today first of all are you ready this one should be so obvious i've said it many times we're going to continue to say it because it's so important number one begin a healthy relationship with god through jesus okay that's what got us in the mess in the first place That means the way to begin to fix it and deal with this whole issue is to begin a healthy relationship with God through Jesus. I always have to put the through Jesus part. There are lots of people out there who are seeking God and they're going to chant, they're going to do the other things. Okay, God has already set it up so that there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved except the name of Jesus. Here's where you start. This is what Scripture says. Say the welcoming word to God. Jesus is my master. Embracing body and soul... God's work for, of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting, him, trusting to him to do it. That's salvation. Another version says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's it. Just say to God, I want to come home. I, I want to come home. I've been walking away from you and I want to come home and I know that Jesus made the path for me. It's, I didn't know the path. Why I stayed away so long. I tried so many other paths and I, I want to come home through your son. He died for me and I want to come home. Until you do that, I don't have anything else to say to you. Because everything else we're going to talk about is based on this. All the, the help that I want to be able to give you in the next six weeks, we're going to show you there's a great deal of help overcoming this. Praise God. Not only is there no condemnation, there's actually help to be able to overcome these things. But it won't do you any good unless you come home. It, it won't work. He, he can't work in your life the way he wants to. So you're home. You've got to come home. All right? That's step one. Step number two. Some of you are going to hate this when you think it's a cop-op. but here it is. Ready? Step number two. Take care of myself. You know how important it is to take care of yourself? Okay, a lot of these emotions, remember there's a brokenness within us. We're born with it. It's going to stay there until we die. Now, we're going to learn how to replace all these emotions. We'll talk about that before we're done. But we also know that there's a huge connection between mind, soul, and and, and the body. And, And what happens is one affects the other. And actually, how we eat and how we do things and how we treat our bodies affects how we think, and it also affects us spiritually. Sometimes we can't overcome and we can't replace these emotions. We give in to these emotions because we don't take care of it. I'm going to give you three real simple things. I'm going to show you there in Scripture so that you're not, you know I'm not just spouting out some sort of nonsense here. Ready? How about this? Eat right. And I don't mean take small bites and chew thoroughly, okay? I mean... Don't you understand? Have you been there where you eat junk, and how do you feel afterwards? You feel great. Now maybe you do. Maybe you are a junk food kind of person. I love junk food, but I don't feel all that good afterwards. Particularly if I eat a lot of junk food, and that's part of my problem. Is it's okay to eat a little junk food? I don't eat a little junk food. I eat a lot of junk food. I don't have a cookie. I have ten. There's my problem, okay? A cookie won't hurt you. Ten cookies, you don't feel good. I wake up in the morning not feeling right. And I want to show you how important this is. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have cake and ice cream from time to time, but really, what are you eating? Are Are you eating properly? Are you taking in the right nutrients because your body is a machine and it needs not just energy but nutrients, other things like that? I'm going to show you in Scripture where one guy got it so wrong and it harmed the whole nation of Israel. Anybody think of the illustration I'm thinking of? I'll tell you it was King Saul. Anybody? Honey. King Saul and honey. Here's what's going on. King Saul is in the middle of a battle right now. And he did something foolish. Okay? They're, they're winning this battle. And Saul wants to wreak vengeance on his enemies. And here's what we read. Saul did something really foolish that day. He addressed his army A curse is on the man who eats anything before evening, before I have wreaked vengeance on my enemies. None of them ate a thing all day long. There were honeycombs here and there in the fields, but no one so much as put his finger in the honey to taste it for the soldier to a man feared the curse. Now stop right there. Do you think that helped them fight well or not? The fact that they had to go on a starvation diet when they're in the middle of running and chasing people down and fighting. You think that really helped them? Wore them down. Watch this. But Jonathan, the king's son, hadn't heard his father put the army under oath. He stuck the tip of his staff into some honey and ate it. Refreshed, his eyes lit up with renewed vigor. You see? Interesting, isn't it? And, of course, the soldiers come to Jonathan and say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And Jonathan says, what a mistake my dad made. Look look how much better I feel. All I had to do was eat a little bit of honey, this sugar that's invigorating. And look, my eyes brighten. I've got my energy back, and I'm ready to move forward. What a foolish thing to do to say to the whole army, I need you to go on a starvation diet until we win this battle. If it was foolish for them, guess what? It's foolish for us. I eat eating?" If you find yourself giving in to some of these uh, emotions and your humanity, your broken humanity is taking over and you can't replace the things that you should, well, first of all, are you eating well? Or do you eat a bunch of junk? Now today is Father's Day. I plan to eat a bunch of junk. (laughs) I do. I also plan tomorrow morning when I wake up to not feel my best. All right. It's okay. I live with it. But not all the time. How about this? Are you getting enough rest? And you say, eh, what's this got to do with, well, because again, God created us in such a way that the body and the mind and the spirit, they all work together. And if we're not treating the body well, if we're not treating the mind and the, well, what's going to happen is that brokenness, that, that death that's within us because it's left over from Adam and Eve, it's going to get the better of us from time to time because we're tired and we're exhausted and we give into it. Let me show you that from God's word. Ready? The apostles gathered around Jesus. He just sent them out, and they did a great work and reported to them all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that day, they did not even have a chance to eat. We already know that won't work. And he said to them, what? Push on. Go ahead. Don't worry about eating and resting. Just get out there and do more ministry. And he said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I know you're tired. You're hungry. You've done great work. But it's time to rest. If you don't rest, if you don't eat, you won't be able to do the things I want you to do. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Isn't that great? Our father says, I I created you. I know who you are. I know how that machine you live in works. I know that you got to eat. Well, I've provided you some great stuff to eat. I've also provided you a lot of food to celebrate and have fun with. Great. Time to time, go crazy. But Remember, the machine you live in needs a little help. And sometimes you need rest, and you say, well, I don't have time. Well, maybe, maybe what we need to do is kind of back off and really look at our schedule and say, this thing here that's taking my time, maybe I don't really need to do that. I've convinced myself I need to do it. Maybe I don't really need to do it. Maybe I have to do it for a short period of time. I have learned that I can push myself for a very short period of time as long as there's light at the end of the tunnel and I'm getting closer to that light and I know there's going to be a time when I can rest. But if there is no hope of rest, it just wears me down. Next way to take care of yourself, know my limits. This is hard for many of us because we don't want to accept our limits. And we push ourselves way beyond our limits. And it isn't just about rest. It's about responsibilities. And we take on way too many. And we push ourselves way beyond what we can do. Biblical example, Old Testament. Any ideas? Moses, there you go. See, some of you should be up here preaching. You got it. What had happened was Moses had led the people out of, out of and Israel, and now they're wandering in the desert, and every day people had issues and problems came to Moses because Moses was going to take care of them. Could you imagine? We're, we're thinking there could be as, million, as many as a million Jews now wandering around the desert, and there is one individual who's going to decide all of the disputes. Whoa. Watch this. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people and they stood around him from morning till evening. That would drive me nuts. I am, um, and I know this may be hard for many of you to, to understand, I'm an introvert by nature. Large groups tend to, I love being part, I love to preach, I love to be part of a church, but they also kind of wear me down. I get away to recharge. Some of you are extroverts and if you get away and we want to give you 48 hours of all-by-yourself prayer time, you come back weak and and run down because you need people to regenerate you. And I, the other way around, I love being with big groups, but I always plan when it's all done to take a little time and recharge on my own. When his father-in-law saw that all Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as a judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, here it is. What you're doing is not good. Don't you know your limits, Moses? Don't you understand you can't do this? It's going to kill you. It's going to kill the people. That's exactly what he says. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Know your Again, occasionally we all have to be pushed beyond our limits for a short period of time. But here's an area where I have struggles, is knowing my own limits, how much I can take and how much I can't. And when one of those six deadly emotions really takes over, it often is because either I'm not feeling good or I'm really tired or I've taken on way too much responsibility. And when that happens the death that's in me, that brokenness usually will come out of one of those six deadly emotions we're about to talk about. But now, we're getting ready to close. Don't worry. Not too long. Here's the main point of this whole series we're going to be talking about. This is the key. This is the important thing. Yeah, I'm going to have to to come to a relationship with God. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to take care of myself. But here it is. This is what's going to change your life around. If you'll just follow me for the next six weeks and listen to what God has to say, I need Fill power, not just will power. Okay? Many times what happens is we face these emotions, we face this brokenness, we say to ourselves, by the power of my will, I just won't do that anymore. Does that ever work? Have you ever walked up to somebody who's really worried and anxious and say to them, stop it, and it worked? Or they're really angry, stop it, and they go, okay, man, I'm glad you told me that. Someone who's who's caught up in bitterness, and you look at them and say, don't do that anymore. Okay, you're right. Does it ever work? Because it isn't a matter of willpower. You know you shouldn't be doing it. You know it. Paul knew it in Romans chapter 7. He said, I just can't stop doing it. You don't overcome the deadly emotions by just stopping them and telling yourself to overcome Here's the key. Ready? So, what we'll see. You overcome them by filling yourself with something else so that there's no room for that emotion anymore. Now, one more time. You don't stop these deadly emotions by just saying, Stop it, I won't be angry anymore. You replace these emotions with a positive emotion from the Word of God and from His presence, and it doesn't leave any room for the deadly emotion. Take a look at this passage. You've made me to know the path of life. You fill me with joy in Your presence, with eternal pleasure. You fill me. Father, fill me. Fill me. I can't get rid of this emotion on its own. It won't go anywhere. I need you to fill me with something else so that there's no room for that emotion. Jesus one time told a story of an evil spirit that is cast out of a man. And that evil spirit wanders around waterless desert places and then says, it's go back and check out the... the the, the man that he was cast out. And what, what happens when he goes back? Do you remember the story? He finds that it the man is still what? Empty. And so he moves back in and brings seven other evil spirits with it. And Jesus says, In the end, it's worse for the guy. The spirit left, but nothing took its place. And so it came right. You see, the key to dealing with the broken humanity we have, the key of of overcoming these deadly emotions is to replace these deadly emotions. The more you say to yourself, I shouldn't be angry, don't be angry, stop being angry, the more you're going to be angry. What we're going to learn from the Word of God is how to fill ourselves through the Spirit of the living God with something that's going to take its place so there is no room But that emotion, it's killing us. Here it is. Ready? This is what we're going to look at. Then we're done. We're going to learn to replace anger with compassion. Envy with contentment. Bitterness with forgiveness. Guilt with grace. Shame with identity. And anxiety with trust. We're going to look at the Word of God and we're going to realize that if you want to get rid of anger, fill yourself with compassion, and the anger goes away. But the more you say to yourself, stop being angry, I won't be angry, anger is wrong, go away, anger. Anger, anger, go away. Come again some other day. is exactly what will happen. Because nothing replaces it. But fill yourself with compassion. Learn to see people as Jesus sees them. Watch the anger melt. There's no room anymore. Anger with compassion, envy with contentment, bitterness with forgiveness, guilt with grace, shame with identity, anxiety. I'm excited to show you from the Word of God every one of these and how we can accomplish this. And when we're done, we will be broken. (laughs) It comes with the territory. And sometimes we'll be tired, and sometimes we won't eat right, and sometimes we'll take on too much, and every now and then we'll give in to one of these deadly emotions, and that brokenness and that death is going to come out. <sighs> I told you I'd tell you about the time I melted down. Here we go. It was actually just not that long ago. And it was one of those days where I was hit with one thing after every phone call was some sort of tragedy, responsibility, something that was broken that I needed to fix. It got to the point I didn't even want to answer the phone. What's next? And by the end of that day, I couldn't deal with it. By the end of that day, I had had it. By the end of that day, I would had it to the point where my frustration just got the best of me. I couldn't deal with it. This is what I did. I came here. And I laid on that chair right there. Right across the chair. And I prayed. And I didn't say, Father, take this from me. I just said, Father, I need to be filled with your presence. And I need to be filled with compassion. I need to rest. I need perspective. I need you in me. Your spirit. In me, I need you to fill me to the point where all of this frustration leaves and it took a while and I had to think and to pray and whew, stand up, go home say all right why because I told myself to stop it no, I, I knew I should have I could have told myself that a long time ago father fill me that's what we're going to learn to do over the next 6 weeks all right all right father thank you so much sometimes what happens is we just we want to think we can handle them all on our own and so we tell ourselves to stop it or people try to help us by telling us stop it as if that's really going to work father or we tell other people that it's nonsense it doesn't work like that father Fill us. Fill us. Teach us to replace these emotions. Teach us to be filled with compassion and trust and forgiveness and teach us that identity in you. Father, that's what we want to be filled with. And as we're filled with those things, Father, the other emotions have no place to land. They can't get a foothold. It doesn't mean that our brokenness is gone. It's just that there's no room to express them any longer. But Father, for the times that we do, and we understand that because of of our own foolish choices, or because of life, because of whatever, there will be times that, yeah, we will give in to those, and we will express our brokenness through those deadly emotions. Even then, Father, we remember that there is now no condemnation for each one of us in Christ Jesus, because Jesus, what you've done for us, has set us free. Thank you, Father. And now as we just I want to listen to you. Would you guide this time in the name of Jesus? Amen.